Hello, ISTians. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Uh, my name is Titus, as most of you have already known. My name is Titus, and I'll be sharing the word to you today on the series of Advent or Adventure for for unto us a child is born, and and so really in reality, like it's like it's really hard to believe that it's already December, right? It's already the end of 2021. Some of us are still processing 2020. Some of us are even still processing 2019, and it's like, it's crazy, man. I know for some of us, it's like, like, whoa, it's already 2022, and we're still in this pandemic kind of situation, and it's crazy. And time just zips, man. Like, I could have sworn last month. So, like, last month, I graduated, or two months ago, or something like that. And in reality, like, in my heart, it feels like yesterday that I graduated. It's, like, crazy, right? Like, does anybody else feel that way? It's crazy, right? And... Well, I want to get a little bit serious right away because like it's a it's the way I am. Um, but today we will be taking a look at the book Isaiah, and I want to remind you guys that as we look through this whole sermon and as you listen to this whole thing, that you will be reminded of time, so like a timeline. And so I will be looking at the book of Isaiah from uh, specifically chapters one through nine. And don't worry, don't worry, like really don't worry. I won't be reading all of it. I will be reading snippets of it, but I won't be reading all of it here. But when you do have time, I recommend that you read Isaiah, whether you just read chapters 1 or even chapters 1 through 9, or if you want to go above and beyond and read all 55 chapters, I would recommend it. It's a good read. And so this message will be talking about a sort of timeline, like I said, about time. It's about a godly timeline, sort of, and a personal timeline for you and me. And it's this timeline that is based on love. And so before we begin, Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to share your word and that you, and hear your word, that we be able to understand and listen to this. And that today we would understand what it means for this godly timeline of yours. That we would understand how this is about love. A love for, from you and a love for us. And so Lord, we pray that you would just open our eyes and open our hearts to this message right now. That you would use me and speak through me as we go through this sermon right now, Lord. So we pray and lift that up right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's go. Going on the timeline idea, let's start with the past, like we do, like a regular left to right reading. Let's start with the past. And so I wanna focus this part of the past or this part of the segment on the book of Isaiah. And the way these chapters are written are a bit like two sides, but the same coin kind of deal. So like two sides, but the same, Two sides, but the same coin. So like, you know how you flip a coin and there's like two sides, a head and tails kind of thing. It's the same coin, but it's different sides, right? But yeah, same coin, same ideal. So just to give you a bit of context for Isaiah is that Isaiah is about a prophecy. Isaiah is about a prophet that prophesies to the Israelites. So a prophecy from God to the Israelites about their current situation, the situation during this time, uh, and the situations that are to come. So I think it's about it's within the kingdom of, or like in the kinghood of Ahaz, I think, and Hezekiah. I hope I pronounced their names right, or yeah. And to remind you throughout all of this is that the thing about prophecy, the thing about prophecies is that it isn't really about telling the future. It isn't really about um, what's to come. Okay, maybe a little bit, a little bit about what's to come. But really it's talking about the truth. The truth of the heart state the state of being whether for you and me or whether for the israelites at this time 
and talking about God's truth in all of this right now. And so let's start with the about let's start with the truth of the heart for the Israelites, the state of their being at this point. And so at this point, the Israelites are really rebellious to God. They don't follow him, they follow other gods, they follow the people and customs around them. And we can see all of that in Isaiah 1, verses 2 to 6, and 10, verses 10 to 15. So I'll read that right now. Hear me, you heavens, listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they, are, they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, and donkey its owner's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evil doers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord, they have spurred the Holy One of Israel, and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. And verses 10 to 15. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of, your, of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of sacrifice, of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fats of the fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the bl blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incest is detestable to me. New moons, sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I had my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. That's scary, guys. That is, that's God's angry. God's, God's had it, you know? And that's only chapter one. And then we can see that also in Isaiah chapter three, eight verses, verses eight to 14. Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling. Their word and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. Tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked. Disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. Youths oppress my people. Women rule over them. My people, your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. The Lord takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of this people. It is you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your house. And yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. That's only like two things. That's only two, several sections right now. And it's still so much more. And it's a lot. God's angry. God's... The Israelites are just not in a good spot. They're not following God. They're being rebellious. And here, the next part, the next part of the truth is also that the people of Israel failed to meet God's expectations and standards. They fell behind all of that and got preoccupied by their own devices and the works out of their hands and by themselves. And so we can see that in Isaiah 1, 16 to 20. 
wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though, they have, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And we can see that also in, verse, in Isaiah 6, verses 9 to 10. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of his people callous. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. That's a lot. People, the people of Israel have failed. They didn't meet God's standards or expectations for the people. And we can also see that another part of this truth, this coin, this side of the coin, is being prideful in human things. Putting their pride and confidence in the people around them, the people that they are, the things that they have, and maybe even the accomplishments that they achieved. And you can see that, uh, I would recommend that you guys read this yourself. You can see that in Isaiah 2, 6 verse verses 6 to 22, and Isaiah 3, verses 18 to 26. And then the last part of this is that there's injustice. There's injustice both in the system that they have made, but also in the individual level, on the micro level, that they have been ignorant to the issues around them, to the people around them. And we can see that in Isaiah 5, I want to read this one, Isaiah 5, verses 7, and Isaiah 5, verses 20 to 23. Verse 7, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he, God, looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness he looked for, but heard cries of distress. Verses 20 to 23, woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at drinking, uh, mixing drinks, who acquaint the guilty for a bribe but do not deny justice to the innocent. And that justice system, I feel like, is very much true to even to this day. And so... Going back to everything that we've talked about, the pride, the injustice, the failing to meet God's expectations, and even being rebellious, is that all throughout this, God talks about anger and punishment. He talks about punishment for all these things. And if you fast forward several years, I think a lot of years, I think, it comes true in the sense of exile, that the, the Israelites will be uh, attacked by Assyria, and Syria, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure, and be exiled for a long time from it, from, from Jerusalem. And things don't seem right. Like the people are definitely not in a good spot and God definitely doesn't have them in a good spot at this moment either. And there's like so much going on. It feels very chaotic. It feels very everywhere with the people. The people are just not good. And it's, it's chaotic, right? And I want to ask you this, I want to reflect on the things that we've just read to the things that we 
to you. And I want to say that, doesn't this sound familiar? Like somewhat similar to the things that we have today, whether that is with our system, whether that is with ourselves. And we sometimes think that we often fail God, that we fall short of his standard. And we get prideful, or sometimes we get prideful, and the justice system right now isn't good, isn't just, it isn't truthful. Whether that is on the individual level for you and me, or whether that is a systematic level for the whole society. But just like the coin, like I said, the coin, the coin still has another side to all of this. It does not end just when there's destruction or devastation. It does not end when there's rebellion. It does not end with injustice. But it all ends with him, with God. In the book of Isaiah, it not only talks about the heart of the Israelites, the heart of the situation, their state of being, but it also talks about the heart of God and the time to come and of a child to come. Hmm. It's Advent. It's Christmas. We're talking about Isaiah. There's a child to come. I wonder what that means. And so God tells Isaiah that Emmanuel is to come. Hmm. That sounds familiar. Emmanuel is to come. This Emmanuel means God is with us and he will be a light that will usher in this new Jerusalem that God has in store for Jerusalem, for Israel. This new Jerusalem where it will be led by this person called Emmanuel. A new Jerusalem will be created under his, uh, under his authority and under his uh, wisdom and guidance. This Emmanuel. But it also talks about this child that is born, that will be born unto us. And so just like the weeks before this with Pastor Josh and Matthew, we are reminded that a child is born unto us. Again, read that in Isaiah 9, verses 6. But to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And if we think about it, us being ahead of this time, we know, this Emmanuel that we all know, this person that is born unto us, that person is Jesus, right? And this whole story, and the story to come as well, beyond verses nine, uh, chapter 9, is that this is a prophecy about the birth of Jesus. And so I want us to jump to the present, to us, to you, to me, today, right now. And I want to go to the present us, the present you. And I want to re- relate this truth of the heart that the Israelites went through to us, to you, to me. It's a lot of pronouns. Um, and so just like the Israelites, in some cases, we have fallen. We've been rebellious. Or maybe we're just surrounded by rebellious people and fallen things and even injustice that it gives us a lot of pressure to do things that we might not want to do. It gives a lot of pressure even internally about the way we feel about ourselves and the truth of God. And we often, I know for, the, for a fact, that it rings true for some of you, and it rings true for me even to this day. Uh, we often think about our failures, our falling off, the disappointments that we've made, the things that we've done and that get disappointed about, whether that is the things that we've quote-unquote achieved, the things that we didn't achieve, and it disappoints us. It makes us feel like failures, and it makes us feel upset about it, about us, upset about us. 
And I know this rings true for some of us, and we take that to heart. We take that to each of our hearts, whether that's you yourself or me. I take this to my heart as well. And we label ourselves failures. We label ourselves anxious and overthinkers, or maybe even sometimes dull. We label ourselves not worthy, not worthy of the people around us, not worthy of the things that we have, and not even worthy of God. And I and to be truthful, this is something that I do too. I label myself a failure. I label myself not worthy of things. For some of my friends, close friends, they know this that I that I've struggled through this, and I still struggle through this. And for some of you right now, it might resonate with you. It might you might understand this. Not I'm not assuming. I'm not gonna assume that everybody is feeling this way. But I know for some of you, you feel this way. Whether the, whether with the things from school, whether the things from your family. Or even the things that you put on yourself, you feel this way. And for some of you, you might feel called out. And okay, guys, I do not want to call you out, but I know that the truth of God can be hurtful. And right now, the truth of God is saying that maybe you feel this way. Maybe you're reminded of these things. But I want to remind you, and this is where it gets good, right? That just like in Isaiah, that that's only part of the coin. Remember, two sides of the same coin. And if we flip that side, we flip your coin, we see love, and you're like, "What? Love? Failure? Being unworthy? Anxious? What does that have to do with love?" And I'm like, "It has everything to do with love, y'all. Love that never gives up. God who never gave up on you. And no, there's no Rick Roll here, guys. And that's true. And this is the truth. Love never fails." This love that never gave up on you, this God who never gave up on you, that even when we fail, that even when we feel like we fail and we fall into the lowest of the low and we're just feeling horrible about everything and maybe we're not amounting to anything, we have to remember that God has never turned His back on us, and God will never do so. And we can see that in First Corinthians thirteen, verse eight. Love never fails. Love never fails, and that's the first three words of this verse. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. God's love never fails us. Never fails. And when we have gone to a low point. And even have given up on ourselves, maybe given up on the people around us, given up on trying, or maybe even given up on God. Given up on God—that's heavy. It doesn't end there. We have to be reminded that it doesn't end there. Okay, okay. So God loves you, and it never fails. He never has failed you, or never turned his back on you. Okay. So how does God show His love to us? What's this? What's what, how? How do you? How do you? How does God、uh, present His love to us in an active way? And well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad I asked, because it was through His active love for you, through His Son, through sending His Son to us. And I'm gonna read the most forbidden verse of the Bible, the most famous verse in the world: "For God so loved the world." For God so loved the world. That he gave his own one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, for God so loved me. He would sacrifice his son, this God, the creator of the universe, the person who created you, would sacrifice his son for you and for me so that we may be with him, so that we may know him, so that we may have a second chance and so that we may be redeemed by his son. Redeemed for all failures, redeemed for the things that we feel bad for, redeemed for our sins. And that we can have a, ch a chance, that we can have a chance at eternal life. And mind you, eternal life is not about living forever. It's not about living 10 billion years or, or whatever, but it's about being reconciled to God and living a life with God. And that's always been the goal for all of us. And so now I want to give us an idea or think about this as a future as well for you and for me. And so, I'll, so yeah, God loves you. God loves us. So much so that he would send his son to die on the cross. So let's talk about the future, the things that are to come. I believe that most of you, maybe even all of you, already know this to an extent. That you know that God loves you. And, and in reality, maybe that's not something new. Maybe it's something that you've, you've heard a long time ago and are still, in here, still hearing every day almost. And so it's not groundbreaking for you. It's nothing new for you. But here, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, IS teens. I want to challenge myself sometimes, even right now. To know, to know and understand God and understand this love. Understand that love that never gives up on you. Understand the love that would actively sacrifice for you and for me and for all of us. And so let's go back to Isaiah 6, verses 9 to 10. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their e eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And so we know this. We know that God loves you. We know all of these things. We know about the hope of God. We know about the birth of Jesus. We know that about the peace of Jesus and we know that he loves you. But I wanna challenge you right now to understand it. Understand what that, all that means. Understand the implications of his love for all of us in our own personal lives, what, the, what that implies, whether that is an active love, an act, a love that never gives up whether for others or even for yourself. And we want to, I want to challenge you to bring that love, bring it to life in the things that we do or are a part of, the things that, we, that we're all a part of, whether that is your family, that is school, that is your friends, that is your relationships, that is the things that you do, whether that is the schoolwork, the, the tests and exams, the studying, the playing games. I want to, I want to challenge you to understand what th this love of Jesus implies to all of those areas. And so... The implications can be, and will be, personally seeking out for Him. Personally seeking Him. Personally understanding Him. And so that will include taking steps to read the Bible, understanding it. Not just reading it, knowing it, getting the checklist done, but understanding what that means to you. Kind of why we do so. 
but on a personal level. But also to pray. To pray and communicate with God what's going on in your life, inviting Him into your life, and really communicating what's, what's up. And to actively understand this God, this God, the creator of the universe, who so loves you. Back, bring it back to Isaiah 6. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts. So IS teens, so Titus, me, you, IS teens, I leave you with this. Know and understand who this God is, who loves you so much, so, so much, that he would sacrifice his one and only son, who would sacrifice his throne, his kingdom, for you, so that he can be with you and that you can be with him. So IS teens, turn and be healed. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to hear your word and to understand or try to understand what this love, this Advent love right now for you, from you to us right now, that we would understand what it means, that we, that we would take steps to understand this as we go, into the, go ahead into the next year or even go ahead into um, the things of tomorrow, that we would understand what this love is and what this love implies into our own lives and that we would understand you and understand what you want us to do about it and what we, we, want, we want to understand your love. So right now we pray and lift all these things up and we thank you for your word and we thank you for uh, your love right now, Lord. So we pray and lift this up right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys. Thank you for listening in. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Peace.